Janet Kira Lesson is in the studio. It's impossible to list all her talents, but she's a prolific writer and her practice encompasses those who access the dead, near-death experiencers, and of course, aliens. In her practice, Janet helps ground those in contact with the metacosmic void. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? My Alien Life is recorded live from atop the Northern Rocky Mountains and is available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean.com, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. My website is at MyAlienLifePodcast.com. There you will find my email address and previously recorded shows and more. I am Cameron Brower, and the podcast starts right now. Kira Lesson is with me in the studio tonight. Janet is a radio talk show host, television personality, educator, experiencer, and contactee. Janet and her husband, Dr. Sasha Lesson, have written 10 books together. You guys are still writing. Janet, Kira Lesson, thank you for joining me on My Alien Life, the podcast. And uh, how are you? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to the show. I'm honored. I'm doing great. I'm here in Maui, Hawaii, and it's three o'clock and it's still full daylight. Sounds just like your next door. I was on your show, I think it was a couple of months ago now, and um, we did the full two hours and had a great time and um, got to tell a lot of my story. And um, I appreciate that. And it's still available at Antiquarian Radio if anybody wants to listen and um, tell everybody really quick where they can find that. Oh, if you go to AquarianRadio.com and you Google or you search for Cameron on the site uh, his name will come up and uh, you can click and you'll see the link to the um i think it's uh either it's the uh what do i want what do i say the podcast link but anyway it's up on youtube as well under aquarian radio's youtube channel and it goes out to about 10 different platforms so and i put it all up on facebook so you'll see that interview and, and the many others that we do that's what I do. I, I do interviews. <laughs> I spend my life writing books and doing interviews right now because it's, it's so exciting what's going on with experiencers and contactees. Right. And your life, has been a, your life has been a study of so many things paranormal and you could easily devote, you know, all your time probably to just one of the paranormal genres and you'd still be a pretty busy person. Do you have a, a paranormal favorite that you want to study more than any other? I just am open to the flow right now. I am apparently <laughs> uh, having nightly experiences. I don't remember them every night. It depends if my uh, return uh, consciousness is disturbed because then I can bring back the downloads. But I'm I'm on mission, on task as a contact experiencer, and I'm here to 
I'll document what's going on, like Cameron. We're documenting by interviewing people. This is like a grand awakening for all of the existence. And uh, Planet Earth is like the hottest show in existence. And we're front row center seat for the grandest show ever. And that's when the Planet Earth wakes up and becomes conscious. So I think we're going to see that with this uh, disclosure movement, which is happening as the extraterrestrials contact us individually uh, to create this awakening kind of critical mass level for the whole species to awaken. So that's what I see happening. Yeah. So I mentioned in your bio that you do just about everything and you are a contactee. Are you also an abductee? You know, I don't ever identify as an abductee, mainly because I've, uh, I've done all the regressions and uh, reflection and meditation, and I've had some spontaneous recall. And I now I'm at the point where I realize, you know, why I came here. I'm a volunteer. Uh, I operate on some level as an ambassador. And this took a lifetime. I'm 65 years old. So I'm finally getting it. What's been going on? It's been a mystery. But as a young child, we didn't have that um, abductee stuff when I was really young because uh, that was pre-Betty and Barney Hill. So it was just, this is what's going on, right? And since I started so young, they were my friends. And um, it was very clear that I was part of them and they were part of me on some level. So how old, were, how old were you, when, you fir- when that first happened? When did extraterrestrials first show up in your life? Uh, since the crib. And uh, I had, I recovered some free memories, like what I decided before coming in here and my mission. And then because my mother was freaking out, they, they stepped in and did some intervention and protected me because my mother was doing pretty hideous things. Um, she thought she had given birth to the demon seed. She was very <laughs> religious and Christian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, I could see that. She thought I. She thought I was Rose. She was Rosemary, and I was Rosemary's baby. So she acted out. Nobody was was home with us. You know, I was the youngest of three children. My father was a full time mail carrier, and she was a you know typical leave it to Beaver type mom, stay at home mom. And so she would do things where I would be dead and out of body. But that actually, when you come back in. Um, you're more conscious, uh, more psychic, more, you know, where, so I've, I've had that happen several times. I've recovered a lot of those under hypnosis to examine all the details of what led up to that. And that was part of what freaked her out even more because I didn't stay dead. I kept coming back in. One time she broke my neck. The ETs uh, fixed the neck because I'm supposed to be here. I'm on target uh, with what is evolving on the planet. So, And I've never written the entire comprehensive book with all these accounts because it's very um, intense and personal. But I'm in the middle of it, and I do intend to get it done in the next month or two because it's uh, time to reveal my story. But so, so what was she? What, yeah. what what was she noticing from you back when you were a child? I mean, what did she see? Well, I was talking on a very adult level. One time, she caught me levitating. 
And, and this is something that we can all do. We can levitate. But she caught me levitating, and it freaked her out. Um, and there's some things I know where she lunged at me, and one time she strangled me, and uh, I don't recall what was said, but apparently I said something she didn't like. So watch out, Mommy, you know? <laughs> but I, I came to peace with her. I realized that she... Um, was part of the program as well. And she didn't have anybody to help her integrate these experiences. These are multi-generational programs where, not not in every case, but in most cases where you have um, this ongoing contact with somebody, it started several generations before. It could probably go back to the beginning of the human species for all we know, because they are looking for certain genetic uh, types that they... Uh, they repeatedly, and this can be lifetime after lifetime. They can track you. So I'm, I've been tracked. So when do you feel those those effect. visits cross the line, and uh, they're no longer a visit anymore, but become you know a violation of of everything that you hold sacred as a family? Um, I haven't had the that type of experience. Like I said, I'm on the ambassador level. Like I'm in here on a mission to help humanity evolve and become conscious. Um, now, part of that agreement is you go in here unconscious, and so you don't remember everything, because if you know everything's going to happen, every aspect of the movie, it's not going to be enjoyable. So you go unconscious so you can be a part of the mystery and, and help solve the problems. And being unconscious allows you to... Um, further diversify creation with all the other people that are unconscious. So there's a part of that that's required. But you do get memories back on a need-to-know basis. But to answer your question, um, my grandmother told me about her contact. She wasn't afraid. She was just matter-of-fact. In fact, it was almost like an, she was in awe, like it was a mystical experience. And then she died shortly after that. My brother and sister and I have pieced it together a lot of the incidents and they appear to be like um, ghosts or beings coming through an interdimensional portal that was at our house. We, we uh, grew up in a, a farmhouse, which was the original farmhouse in a suburb of Pittsburgh. And there was an interdimensional portal where many beings were seen by ourselves and several of the neighbors, but we um, pieced together a lot of the puzzle about what happened to each one of us. Um, I had what I perceived as a negative episode with a being that was kind of like the Grim Reaper. He looked like the Grim Reaper, but later I did my work on it and went into hypnosis. And the reason why I was afraid of it was because his telepathy was at a much higher vibratory frequency than the other beings I had been act- interacting with. Like the the grays have a, a more gentle telepathy, right? So it doesn't feel so invasive. But uh, this was a member of the reptilian species, a draconian, and their telepathy is raw. It's like there's no um, self or, or an apparent other. It's like when you have a telepathic uh, interaction with these uh, dracos, they know everything. So there's a rawness to it, and that feels a little bit... But that feels very intimidating when you don't know what's going on. But I've processed it, and I've learned over the years 
how to communicate with them. And so it was me, it was like a learning curve for me. But I, I feel for people that have what they call abduction experiences. And I know, uh, you know, identify with that. I, I understand that I work with hundreds, if not thousands of people over the year. I help people do regression and just talk therapy. And and, and we, we, we go through this on radio shows. And and there are, there are a lot of people that are afraid. It freaks them out. And, that, and there's just as many or more that now see it as a magical, mystical experience, and they, they love it, and they can't wait for it to happen again, and, and they've discovered why it's happening. So I invite people that if you're having negative experiences, that you go to a competent hypnotherapist that does not lead the witness. Um, if you get someone with their own agenda, they could potentially do more harm than good. So you have to make sure that somebody has integrity and they do not need the witness and they're not going to make you feel bad about yourself. You know, like you're crazy. You need to get a, um, experience your friendly hypnotherapist to work with you. And I do some of it, but there's certainly, there's, there's millions of clients and there's just not enough hours in the day for any one therapist to, to handle. Cause this is, uh, basically a, a worldwide phenomenon, you know, as we go, time and progress and we see all the people being feeling comfortable enough to come out of the closet it's everywhere this contact is going on for a long time so how often would your family intervene when they when they um felt that you were having some sort of issue that they didn't understand i mean did, did this happen a lot i never talked to my family about my experiences i did not come out of the closet with what was happening until i was an adult and I was able to do my work on it and integrate my experiences. The only thing I talked about were ghosts, right? Um, but the UFO part, because my family was very Christian, and this is the 50s and 60s and 70s, and it's just not a well-known thing like it is now, um, when you talked about it, they just looked at you like you were crazy. And back in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they did have insane asylums. So you had to be careful what you said to people because they could lock you up or give you a lobotomy. So I um, I had instruction from my EPs to keep things to myself. I kept asking when would it be safe to reveal, and they say, we'll tell you when it's time. There were some people, by the time I got to Penn State University in the late 80s, early 90s, I met a, a colleague, and we set up the UFO discussion group at Penn State University and we had um, from 89 to 93 about 30 people every Thursday we met in a classroom at Penn State University we'd have guest speakers and by the time I left to move to Hawaii in 93 we had Linda Moulton Howe there and we had 600 people that came to see Linda Moulton Howe present at Penn State University but some of them were having difficulties. Um, there was one young man that was fighting them, and he claimed that he had harmed, he had hurt some of the ETs. He was just adamant they're not coming, they're not taking me, and I'm not interacting with them. And I just vowed that I would learn how to work with these people because we were just doing it like a talk group. But I realized we needed a professional therapist to help us uh, deal with this phenomenon 
And so I ended up moving to Hawaii in 93. It took me a few years. I met my husband in 97, and we started working with um, people that had had we were we started out doing relationship counseling and you know addiction therapy and family a little bit of family counseling but we quickly moved into uh, the experiencer uh, and that phenomenon and you know helping people integrate what was going on with them and so what we find we regress people that and it sometimes takes several sessions it doesn't happen in one session they may spend time when you regress somebody we we don't need them. We say go to what's relevant. So they might they might go to their childhood or childhood or past life first, but they'll ultimately work into their episodes, uh, especially if they have what we call a screen memory. Like um, I remember I was driving down the road and then you know, I was missing time, or I remember I saw an owl standing on the side of the road and I don't know what happened after that. You know, a screen memory. Uh, I remember I saw a a crouch above my house, and then I don't remember what happened. So we, we uh, can take people down into a deep hypnotic regress state, and um, and uh, they can recount what actually happened. And sometimes they have a, a lot of emotions, but most times it's pretty much like um, they get clarity once they start looking at it from that uh, deeply regressed state and... We get a lot of uh, very interesting information. Some of it's way beyond the level of the experiencer. You know, we're talking about physics and stuff, and we're, you know, we're going, wow, I don't understand this. So we just document it, record it as best we can, and try to find an expert later that can shed some light on what these people are getting. Have you discovered your mission or uh, purpose of of this interaction with um, extraterrestrials? Yes, I'm here for disclosure. I'm here for the ascension process. I'm here to help people move from this uh, paradigm we're currently in where a lot of the information has been withheld from us. The technology is very primitive and antiquated. In space, we have, um, you know, warp drive or whatever you want to lay with technologies that can get us across, you know, the galaxy in, in minutes. And here we're uh, you know, still firing off rockets, but the secret space program has a lot of these advanced technologies. We have cures for all diseases. Cancers are long in history in, in the space program or in the extraterrestrial program. Uh, we can help a person maintain their youth at about 25 to 30. People tend to, you know, uh, regret or if you're old, you get put back to 25, 30, and, and you live your life in health, and uh, there's no starvation. There's clean, green energy systems. The air is clean. The water is clean. There's shelter for everybody. Everybody has a good life. Uh, you get whatever education you need to, to do what you want to do, and uh, when you're tired with that, you can get more education to do something else. You're People naturally like to contribute, no matter what species it is. They like to contribute to their society. So, I've been. My latest mission has been learning how other uh, societies do their systems, their governance systems, and uh, trying to figure out how to introduce that to humanity, so we can wrap our heads around it and move past this current system, which really isn't working for everybody. You know, it works for a few at the top, and you know, some in the middle, but most people. Uh, these days with the 
how the society is devolving is they, you know, they're suffering and they're struggling. So we're going to move past this suffer, struggling thing to a conscious civilized civilization that allows everybody to live with dignity and beauty and peace and grace and an authentic peace, not a peace that's enforced by one power onto another, you know, so they lose their rights and um, free will. So that's, that's my primary mission is to help uh, awaken us to this new possibility and to, and to bring it into, and that's why I was introduced to Star Trek when I was 12. Um, and it was a close, that's not quite a hundred percent how it is out there, uh, in the cosmos, but that was the closest representation that we had at the time. And, um, so what there's, you know, there are, there are some species that are violent, but it's, it's really few and far between. It's not like Star Wars where everybody's fighting all the time. Um, experiencers seem to have a, a variety of different species that, that we can put a name to or they can put a name to. What what species are you and we're in contact with? Uh, I'm primarily in contact with a, a number of different gray species, mantis species, uh, Draco, reptilian species, uh, the Anunnaki, tall whites, and a lot of hybrids, a lot of humanoids. Um, yeah, I said mantis. So a lot of the major ones, but there's some species that I don't really have a name for. You know, there's all the humanoids like like the Syrians and Pleiadians and, you know, humanoid ones. Um, but some of them I don't really have in my conscious memory what their names are. But I've seen at one meeting there were 100,000 unique species. And, and I will ask questions like, how many how many beings are here? And they'll say... You know, there's 100,000. Uh, are there any two alike? No, they're all unique. There's only one representative of each um, species. And then they uh, said um, that they're, this isn't all of them. These are only the ones that I won't have a negative reaction to. They're very sensitive when they bring somebody in. So they make sure uh, you're not going to have a heart attack or freak out or, you know, they want you to be comfortable. And so they, they only introduced me to species that I could handle um, not nothing that looks real uh, monstrous or anything. I'm not going to see alien there, right? <laughs> you know, a drilling thing with big teeth that's going to eat me. No, it's all stuff that's within the range. And so that was like a, a meeting that's held. I want to say once a year, but they go they process time differently than we do. So once in a while, that's a large gathering. And um, but then I've been to smaller meetings with a variety. Usually they're typically one member of each species at these meetings, and we're discussing some of the issues, uh, what can we do? And then, you know, then I come back into, into this realm, and I just, you know, I'm just a normal human being. So where does this take <laughs> and, place, and how do you get there? How are you a part of it? Well, uh, most often it's, um, we're, we're able to travel, Remember the Moody Blues, thinking is the best way to travel? You bet. We're, we are able to travel through the cosmos. Uh, so I have learned, I guess, through my lifelong experiences to wherever it is, kind of like remote viewing. Here's where, here's what it is, like coordinates. It could be a number, could be whatever. And, and, we're, and we're free to meet there, and we're there. Now, a lot of times we assemble with our mind the facility of, uh, just so we have a container to have the meeting. So, um, you know, we'll make it something beautiful. 
uh, sometimes will lead into a meeting kind of structure like the 100,000 uh, person meeting. That was in a large, like an amphitheater. And uh, I could draw it someday. It, it kind of, there was, there was a representation I tracked down on Star Wars. It kind of looked like it. Uh, but the smaller ones are usually some very attractive um, drawing room. The lighting, the lighting's always council. Nothing. There's no like, you know, Walmart lighting or in an office building lighter. Everything's um, comfortable in the eyes. Uh, usually, I'm meeting with beings that can breathe the same air within a certain range. So, um, I know that there's some meetings where you'll have beings that have to have their own environment, and they can do some shielding around. The individuals so they they'll have their environment to breathe. They don't have to wear, you know, head masks and things. If they can create like a an area which is their environment for them, um, so they can be where they'll be comfortable and they won't have to struggle. They like they like us to meet where we can see each other, and um, we also get to feel each other. Like there's an energy feel of each uh, being that's there and. Um, so it, it, it's very transparent. You can tell if they have any judgments or negative thoughts about you. So you really have to learn to come into a pure space and because um, they know everything. So if you're thinking, oh, that's really a weird species, they, um, they, they know it. And sometimes they'll laugh like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm adjusting. I'm, I'm just a human, you know, <laughs> forgive me. And I've never seen anything like that before. But at this point, it's a curiosity. It's like, wow, look how, I, I've always been like a scientist. When I was a little girl, I used to, um, I have a pet with dying and then a month later I'd dig it up. <laughs> I was like, what, what happens? So I've always been this objective scientist. So looking at different species, uh, it's like, how did that happen? How did that evolve? You know, what kind of environment did that species have to exist in to develop those? So I'm part anthropologist, right? And I'm uh, on my other level, not, not not Janet level, but my other level, I'm a geneticist, anthropologist, scientist. So I'm very curious when I meet other species and I can be in that um, persona. And so... Tell yeah, me, uh, I'd like to to hear about maybe like a one-on-one interaction that you've had. You know, it doesn't have to be one-on-one, but you and you and a few others. Um, people always ask me, "Well, what do they look like?" And then when I tell them what they look like, they wanna they wanna know, did you touch them? Um, did they smell like anything? So, give me one species and kind of describe an interaction interaction what that how that goes, and then you know, if you can get detailed on, on what they look like and how they communicate and any other um, sort of uh, senses that you, um, that are active for you that you perceive other parts of them that, you know, you normally maybe wouldn't, a human. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, there's like three, I'll kind of make it short, but when I was about t- 10 years old, I was at a skating rink and this boy came up behind me and he, he, um, ground up against me it was so crowded I couldn't move away from him and he said he whispered in my ears I just got you pregnant and I didn't know anything about sex I was just appalled I I sat on the bench until the skating was over and I I went home and I just ran up in my room and I wanted to die that night a mantis a female mantis now I was about a nine or ten year old human I'm, I'm on the small side I've always been petite uh female but uh, in her arms I was like the size of an infant, you know, a newborn infant. And she just 
held me in her arms and it felt like I was being surrounded by a uh, fur of a bunny rabbit, like a big giant bunny rabbit was holding me. But visibly, she did. She looked like a mantis. And I'm going, this is confusing. She doesn't look, she doesn't feel like what she looked like, you know, because her, her arms were like a mantis, right? Like an insectoid. Her, her energy to me was so loving. It was like uh, divine love. And she just sent this wonderful he- healing energy through me. And then she sang this song, which is like the sound of the cosmos, you know, with something primal that takes you back to source. And, and I was just in that energy. And so when I uh, was returned back to my bed, uh, the next morning, I was totally healed. When I went to bed, I said, please, God, take me home. I want to die. I'm nine years old and I'm pregnant, right? I didn't understand it. Um, so that was amazing. Another episode I had uh, was with this dragon. I saw, um, I was on a military base and I was taken to an, uh, the underground facilities on a military base. It's a very long story, but I'll just cut it short because we don't have a lot of time. And there were about a hundred Anunnaki there, several gray species, the small, medium, large, and some in between representatives of other species. But uh, it was like a ritual, like eyes wide shut. But instead of that dark satanic energy, it was all high and spiritual. And everybody was dressed uh, in beautiful, um, kind of like uh, King Henry VIII's court or something, ancient uh, long flowing gowns, beautiful Victorian gowns and dress. And uh, we went downward into the, the natural caverns from the artificial, which was the military base part. And there were a thousand of the Anunnaki for the species. And I was apparently like a key. So I had to stand at a certain place. And when I stood in this beam of light, this wall disintegrated, revealing this uh, very large, uh, what's the name of the dragon in um, Lord of the Rings? You <laughs> like got that me. Type I of couldn't. <laughs> yeah, the, the dragon and, and the Lord of the Rings yeah. had that huge cavern, right? And there's like this dragon there and this huge cavern. But um, she saw us looking at it, so she projected an avatar to stand in front of me. So the avatar was about my height, and I'm 5'2", and I was looking in her eyes. And uh, so she was like a miniaturized version of herself, which was a full dragon, and we were looking in her eyes. And then when we started to look at each other's eyes, we went into like this Vulcan mind energy meld. It was more than mind. It was like, you know, we just blended into this one. And then uh, we were able to translate every thought, everything that was being asked of all the people gathered there. The two of us, we were like, it was like we were on super high speed and just answering all these questions for everybody and all this energy was flowing through us like we had we had somehow tapped into the universal supercomputer for everybody gathered there and then after we broke contact I collapsed and I was carried back to my dorm and put back in my bed and then um they left and I I woke up immediately and I I had to go to work that day it was horrible (laughs) I was like I don't want to go to work But it was a positive experience, and I I don't know everything that that meant, but, um, you know, you you have your beautiful dragons that you see in the illustrations, not the the skinny Chinese dragons, but the, it it reminds me of the uh, Lord of the Rings dragon, very beautiful, it had had goldish tones, it had, basically when it moved, its skin 
um, would change color like a chameleon, like a rainbow. And um, it ha- it seemed to have uh, gems in its flesh, but that it, that's not maybe what is going on. I'm, it's hard for me to describe. I'm going to get an artist to maybe draw it for me, and I'll see if I can be like a police artist and, and get it down pat. But when I um, finally came back to, from my – I was a civilian worker for the military, and I – I had brought these two dragons um, with me from Pennsylvania when I moved to Oahu, and they were heavy. I paid a lot of, to ship them, and it made sense. It's like, oh, that's why I brought the dragons because I'm somehow connected to the dragon on a soul level. Um, and she said that she is our mother. That even though we look nothing like her, we we share DNA with her. So that was very profound. And that was like uh, one of one of the most. And then the other one was his um, the gray that was that carried me uh, during that episode. He came to me at the UFO Congress and he said, "I'm coming to say goodbye." And I said, "Why is that?" He said, "Well, I've been watching over you your entire life, and uh, you know, it was kind of like I graduated and he's going to go on to another assignment, and he wanted to say that he loves me. And so uh, when he came to say goodbye." And this was it was in the middle of the night at UFO Congress. My husband's in the room, but they, they he's asleep. But he, they make it so you don't they won't they don't wake up. And I'm sitting there uh, looking at him, and we're both crying as he says goodbye. And then um, so he looked he looked pretty much like um, I I have the one rendition of the very large head with the big eyes and very. Um, I don't know. They're beautiful. I think everything's beautiful. Very beautiful in their own way. But the skinny body and the uh, the, the hands. They have uh, three fingers and an opposing thumb, and the, and the tips are bulbous. I remember I screamed initially when they carried me because I they took me out of bed at night, and then I I relaxed because I he spoke to me and he says he said go ahead scream all you want. You're in an energy field. No one can hear hear you. And I said, okay. And then I realized, see, there's that point where you forget that you were taken before, right? right. So I realized, oh, okay, this is the routine. And I just, I went into curiosity mode. And in that episode, they uh, they got my boyfriend. He was in a different barracks. The civilians were in a different barracks than the military on the base. And so they brought him down. And uh, we were on the shoreline. And then this um, craft came out of the ocean and uh, out emerged, uh, I think it was like four more graves, and um, and it was all telepathic. They don't say things, so we understood we were supposed to go in there. So we grabbed each other's hands and we just walked in, and and then the craft launched from the beach and it went out uh, down through the deepest part of the ocean there, which was out past the coral reefs. And that's the underwater facility at Johnson Atoll. And then he he uh, later was talked. He didn't like his experience. He was on a table and they were examining him. But they did. I was watching from about ten feet away, and they um, they made him calm down. And uh, there were the the small kind of little worker uh, grays. I think they're they might be droids of some kind, and they they run around and get all whatever you need, right? And then there's this size. It's one that's about five feet. I think they're probably about the same size as me, you know. And then there was there's a real tall one. 
Now I've seen mantis and I've seen, um, uh, you know, ones that look like grays, but this one looked like a mantis gray mix and he was in charge. He was directing the, the five foot grays and whatever they were doing, they were doing this examination of um, my friend whose name is Vinny. He's moved on. I haven't seen him in 15, 20 years, but, um, and then they, I was sitting on a chair and then I received, like I said, all telepathic instructions to put on a gown. So I put on this gown, I put on these shoes. Um, the shoes were, were not, they were very beautiful. It was kind of like Dorothy's, you know, red shoes but these were like greens and purples and blues and very beautiful with gems built into the fabric and but they had a dual purpose so when I would walk I would go like 10 feet every time I had to do do the motions I put one foot in front of the other but each time I put a foot forward I would glide in the direction where I wanted to go and then the um, the Anunnaki came in behind me and they were giant they started at about seven feet tall and they kept getting taller until they were about, uh, I don't know. I couldn't quite see at the end. Uh, they kept getting taller and taller. So I'd say they were over 18 feet tall, but I can't really tell how tall something is, you know, just a, uh, let me ask you this really quick. I, I want to throw this <laughs> yeah. in there. What, what's the, what's the purpose of the examinations? Um, his examination was he had something wrong with him genetically that he wasn't able to reproduce without creating defective children. So I, I pieced that together later. I don't know if they were trying to help him um, have a child or they didn't want him to have a child. He was never able to father a child, um, at least the last part that when I knew him. He was only in his 20s, though, so maybe he had something to correct that I'm not sure but he had something physically wrong with him and they were examining him for that um I have been examined and been part of a hybridization program my uh, hybrid children have DNA that's more than alien it's a mixture so whatever characteristics and qualities they want in the hybrid they're able to use different beings that's a myth that it's only going to be one mother, one father, that's human um, procreation. But the hybrid program, they can use DNA from many species to get, and they can make it look like whatever they want it to look like. But they might have, you might have a, a being that can, you know, uh, stay awake three days without getting tired, that type of thing. They might put in enhancements or um, they might correct genetic flaws that are, uh, you know, prevalent in, in human beings, right? So they tend to improve the next generation. Um, and they're also making it so that uh, the hybrids can adapt better to the uh, toxins that are in our environments. So they're more resilient. And uh, so that's the program I met. So my children were all uh, very human looking, very human looking. And I was shown, I know some people get little hybrids and they got the, you know, big heads and stuff. Mine were very human looking, but that's because of my blood, you know, my, my bloodline, which is primarily on the Naki, but other people are used in the different hybrid programs for different, their children are, um, I think part of it, they're concerned about the, you know, our, our um, planet is declining and 
but I'm not sure if that might not be intentional. There's there's a couple factions here. There seems to be a war over the earth, and there are some factions that want to see humans wiped off, and all the species because they just want the mineral rights. Um, because there's all these minerals, there's gold and you know everything, and uh, that is a trade that's prevalent throughout the, the universe is uh, minerals, and our planet is rich with minerals, but. There's the other factions that says, no, no we're not going to let that faction take uh, this earth, which has been one of the most beautiful projects on in existence and, you know, uh, render all but species uh, extinct. And so we have a little, I, I almost want to call it a political battle. And uh, so I'm working on with the faction that's here to uh, keep this planet from going into doomsday and annihilation and species extinction and human extinction to um, becoming pristine and pollution-free again. So, And that seems to be where the tide is turning. People are getting really concerned about the environment. And that's what they need. They need us to say, yes, we want a clean environment. And they will back us. But we have to say yes. Are most Earth interactions with aliens, are they great? Are most... Yeah, Earth interaction for, with Earthlings. Are we are we interacting mostly with Greys, or what's that mix? I mean, who's who's coming down to visit us most? Well, I think the Greys are kind of like the delivery system, and and so people are remembering the Greys because they they bring you and return you, right? But you could have interactions with a whole group of beings in between that. And so when we get deeper into it, we see that a lot of people are on ships and there's all kinds of beings on there, but they only remember the, the last thing they saw. And so if a person will go into their experience objectively, like I said, with a highly trained facilitator that's not going to lead the witness, you more than often will find that it was a much more expansive and more positive experience. So what we find is that a lot of experiencers have jobs on other worlds or on the ship and they go up there and they, they might even have, uh, they might uh, um, move into an avatar, which is more um, adaptive to that environment they're working in. So you might move into your gray avatar, you might have a, a Syrian avatar or Andromedan avatar, or, you know, a different avatar and you'll go in and, and you'll work in your other form and then you come back into your human form. Apparently these bodies we have are avatars. That's not really who we are as a soul. This is just who we are while we're alive, quote unquote. And so that's what we find when you really go into it. Like um, I'm trying to think of a lot of the researchers. Uh, there's that one lady, I'm drawing a blank. She's down in Australia. I've had her at my conferences. Anyway, there's a lot of really uh, phenomenal researchers around the planet that are uh, bringing back this uh there's Mary Rodwell, and there's the other one from New Zealand. I'm drawing a blank, I can see her picture. But they're they're getting a, a much a bigger story of what really goes on after it, the initial memory, which is I saw gray, right? So let me ask you this. How much of your life is an alien life? I mean, how much time do you devote to what we would perceive as normal human activities and how much time do you devote for your alien activities? Uh, 
I have, you know, my waking hours when I get done with this show. My nephew just arrived from the mainland. I'm going to go out to dinner with everybody. Um, so, you know, I have my human life. I have a husband. I have, uh, I never had children, but I have cats. I mean, I never had human children that came from this standard body. I have my hybrid. So I have a full on life. Um, you know, I'm producing radio shows. I talk to people like you. So I have this human life where I'm a, a producer. I produce conferences. I go to conferences. I write books. Uh, I'm very, very, very busy. And I have a husband and we have a wonderful life and we uh, enjoy each other thoroughly. It's uh, when I'm, when I'm in my sleep time, I realize I go, I have another job. So there's this one world I go to and I, I know the city inside and out. I know where my apartment is. I know where my office is. Uh, the buildings are way different. The buildings there are, are gigantic and they're integrated with uh, the plant life. So you might have a, a tree that wraps around a building. So there's like an outside elevator that I access to go to my office and, and it's between, it's like, it's like, um, the redwood trees of California, right? You go down to this tree and there's the elevator and you go in it and it's, um, it's more organic and, uh, it's beautiful, actually beautiful. And it's way, it's way not human, right? It's like, we're not doing this. No, I don't see any cities on this planet like this. So, and I'm excited. So one of my projects that I work on at night is, um, I'm over on Nibiru and they have a lot of ruins because they lost a lot of their population. Um, they have a lot of abandoned buildings. So I went there one time and I showed them, I said, well, why don't we take some homeless people? We've got, you know, we're going on 8 billion people on the earth for one place, or I'm sure there's other planets and let's get some carpenters and electricians or whatever you need to, to, um, redo these buildings. Cause they're very tall, right? The their beings were between, you know, 10 and 20 feet tall. So we're making sub levels into the, into the structures, you know, making, um, it's like a, like taking a Walmart, right, or, or, or a Costco, and, and now you're going to make that into apartments and, and housing in there. So we're subdividing it up and we're adding, you know, windows and light and air and all kinds of stuff. And um, so the one little village we have can house 100,000 humans easily. So I went there, um, it was like once a week I was going there and I'd come back and I'd report to my husband. i go, wow, now we're... We've got this going on, that going on. So that was exciting. So that's one of our projects. Apparently that's operating uh, on its own now. It's got, you know, a couple hundred thousand, maybe three or four hundred thousand people there now. And they they built a, a city out of an uh, abandoned city. And so then I come back here and I go, well, why don't we do that with a lot of our buildings here? You know, we have empty um, shopping malls. Uh, we can make those into housing and get all these people off the street. So, I've been introducing these concepts. I don't have the ears of any politicians right now, but I'm doing what I can to um, kind of utilize what we have. And you can put a lot of people to work restoring these places, making them livable, and then, of course, um, working in the, the facilities once they're up and running. People like to cook and entertain and have interesting lives. So anyway, you, that's you, one of my projects. You talked about the breeding program a little bit. Um, what's the goal of the breeding program and uh, what do aliens want um, through selective breeding and, and genetic modifications? One of the things they're looking for is the metagene. And the metagene is a ability for a species to hold heaven on earth. 
So some species can go all the way to source and the first memory of, you know, the I am separation from self and a parent other into the dichotomy. And they can, uh, it's like the cue, right? So they have the memory of the entire continuum. Um, so what they did in their grand experiment was uh, a lot of species have been contributing to uh, a lot of species in their development genetically. And so the earth was a, a, a grand experiment and somehow we created the ability for some earthlings to have these superpowers and, and they can hold um, the continuum and be in the darkest, densest level of physicality. The, the earth plane, the human plane is dark and dense, right? We have thick skin, skin, we have a skin encapsulated self sense. We don't feel the other species, the other being, the other selves, the other persons, people like the grays do. They're they're telepathic, so they feel everything that the other one, the other person feels, right? The other gray feels. They they don't have a lot of separation. They're more like a hive species. So we're very thick skinned, and we 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 think we're all separate, right? We're all individuals. So that's a grand experiment. So they're trying to help us evolve in the densest level of physicality, which diversifies creation to a higher level uh, in this dense level, right? This is another level of existence, a dense level. Um, but the, they want us to get conscious at the same time. So those who are waking up, becoming conscious, conscious while they're in this dense, dense level of existence, uh, apparently have the metagene. And they're going, wow, this is amazing. Because uh, we have psychic abilities and telepathic abilities, you know, and, and um, telekinesis and all kinds of things can levitate. Um, and, and we're like the cue. But the human beings that are on this earth have been dummied down. So the Anunnaki, when they came in here 450,000 years ago, and they developed Homo sapiens sapiens, uh, they were in advance of the Anunnaki. And, they, you know, they were going to get wiped. The Anunnaki were going to get wiped out, so they dummied us down intentionally. Um, it's kind of like Planet of the Apes, like, oh, holy shit, the apes are going to take over, right? So they created us. <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites. And so they had to correct it, so they put things in place like religions and politics, separation, everything separation. Uh, so every generation they introduce a new religion. Well, let's introduce, you know, this religion, and now the Mormon religion, and now the New Age religion, and separate, 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 and now we'll have all these countries, and it's me against you, and all this stuff keeps us so distracted that we're, we're not developing our natural abilities. But if we ever got uh, unified in consciousness and we just sat around and, and did our work and did our meditation and we cleared our energies, Oh, uh, we would take over, and they, you know, so that would freak them out. But they're getting, they're getting relaxed with that a little bit. Um, we just have to stop being so violent, and and we can. This violence has been um, taught to us. We were, we were used as pawns in their wars. We're not naturally warlike, right? We were used as pawns in their wars, and some of us have been genetically modified to be more warlike because some of the species. Uh, are encountering some dark species. There apparently is like a wolfen type species that has no conscience. And so when you encounter them, they just kill you. It's like alien. Remember the alien? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, what is this species? So there <laughs> apparently are some species that have no consciousness, right? 
So they took some of the humanoids and they genetically modified us so we would do the warriors. Because we uh, have a sense of not self, we can kill the other person. You know, most species can't slap the other person because they're so connected. It's like, ah, smacking yourself, right? But we have a sense of self and not self. So we can punch, we can hit, we can slap, we can mutilate, we can rape, we can kill. Um, and so they, they notified, they noticed that. And so my one friend, he was, uh, he told me a story before he passed. He said, I was up on ship and they said, please demonstrate to us how you can punch somebody. And he said, uh, okay. Uh, then they brought this alien and he says, I don't want to punch this guy. Why would I want to punch him? Just show us that you can punch him. So he punched him, right? And then he said, well, show us you can kill him. So he killed him. And he, and so my friend who's now deceased, he was trained to be a super soldier. So he had no hesitation to do these primal things. He was genetically modified. Um, but that was, that's what's necessary when you have let's just call it Alien, because we all know the movie Alien. A bunch of aliens coming, and they're just going to kill everything. So you have to have somebody that can go primal and just kill back. So, um, you know, we survive and, and uh, you know, live another day. But that was uh, apparently um, enhanced and genetically modified. So at the basic soul level, most people just want to live a life, and they want to have peace, and they want to, you know, have a spouse and children and a life and happiness and um, all those things that normal people want. So this warlike stuff, if, if we were left to our own needs, means and not interfered with and, you know, turned off all the TVs for a while. So let's just say the world stopped having TV tomorrow and I'm over here in Maui. Well, you know what Maui people do? We go to the beach. We go to the drumming circle. Yep. We smoke pot. You know, <laughs> we have sex, make love. I mean, that's what Maui would do, right. and I think that's what a lot of cultures would do. Well, and that's what we did when nine one one happened. We didn't have planes for what was it, seven eight days? Yep. We went to Little Beach, and everybody smoked pot. I don't smoke pot, but I I watch people. They dance naked. <laughs> you you've written some books. You and your husband have written books about the Anunnaki, and um, mm-hmm. you have Anunnaki roots. What did you want us to know about the Anunnaki? Well, they were the latest um, in a series of people that have been, um, you know, manipulating, manipulating humanity genetically for their own needs. They, they and it's okay. It's, we forgive them. We love them. They had a planet that was. Um, uh, they had a series of nuclear wars, and, and their planet was dying, and they had a big hole in the ozone. Sound familiar? And um, so they came to the Earth to get gold because gold was able to be um, manufactured into a thin sheet uh, to shield the atmosphere so the radiation couldn't get in, the atmosphere wouldn't escape. Um, and they, they came here, and it was really hard mining. So they saw the um, Homo erectus, and they decided to do um, um, a hybridization process. They created Homo sapiens and then Homo sapiens sapiens because the first part, they weren't... They weren't um, smart enough to stay domesticated, right? Like creating a domesticated beast that they kept roaming off into the, uh, you know, the woods or whatever. So they, they created a species that they could, um, you know, maintain like cattle, like sheep. And then uh, smart enough that we could work like doing numbers and doctors and, and uh, uh, you know, work at that level, but not so smart that we'd figure out what's going on and 
and uh, not show up to work, right? So they put money in place as a control mechanism. And um, so anyway, they're behind it. If you go to the top of the all seeing eye in the pyramid, the pyramids were all created by the Anunnaki. And uh, they created the monetary system to control us and planets, I mean, and, and um, what do you call it, uh, countries and politics and all this stuff. These are control systems. They're psychological manipulation of humanity. So we you know, follow orders and do what they bid. And um, so some of them are a little bit warped. So they get into this. Apparently, the war and constant turmoil creates more money. So some of them are really money-oriented and power and control and greed. So that's what's going on. It, it's, it's all the fault of the Anunnaki. And if we get smart and, and can just say, stop, we're not playing this game. So that's what we're doing right now. Hopefully that's what's happening and what's left of my lifetime. Because if we do it, then we'll have um, physical immortality. They have that figured out already. Uh, but right now part of the game is, you only get to live between 50 and 100 years and you're dead. So that, that keeps us um, short-lived so we're not figuring out what's going on. So hopefully what's going to happen now is that is um, – and we have some indicators that there are people negotiating with them. So I know I'm negotiating, but I've had other experiencers say, yeah, we're negotiating with them. We can't bring the memories back 100%. Sometimes we just get bits and pieces. But this negotiation is going on. And we maybe uh, have disclosure, which we had some progress this week with the uh, government telling the president and some of the senators that uh, there's uh, UFOs buzzing our You know, I wanted to bring that up because I I was sort of all week I've been putting posts on Facebook about that. But I had listened to Art Bell, a 2002 episode, and um, in 2002 he was reporting that the U.S. military had some UFO sightings um, and there was a lot of excitement that disclosure was near and he was talking about that. Now we're seeing some, you know, rather unusual military sightings that also have some telemetry. Now we have that part. So um, those are the telemetries from fighter jets on the east and west coast. Is it important that our government acknowledges aliens and UFOs? Um. I don't know. I don't think so. I think uh, what we are doing is more powerful than anything else. Um, it'd be nice if there was like a public thing. I'm hoping it does go to that level. Uh, but I don't think we're going to be in control much longer. You know, we've got these kids coming up and they're all tuned into the internet and they're all tuned into each other. And they're not following the rules like we did, our generation did. We're kind of like, okay, yeah, we're going to go. So we're going we're gonna to follow the, the, the system. And, and But I think that the next generation is already um, far too awake to go into that. I hope. I hope. I don't know. We could, we could come back next two, three incarnations and we'll still, still be in this prison planet. Um, I'm just doing my part. You're doing your part. Trying to do my part here. I, yeah, we're doing our part. And I asked them, I go, what do you want us to do? And they said, just keep doing it. You're making it happen. You're, this is working. Everybody doesn't seem like it's working. It's not fast enough. I'm impatient. Right. Every, you know, uh, they, they, could, they could be looking down at us for a thousand years, and, you know, in 10 minutes we, we run out of patience or quicker. <laughs> we, we live in 30-second sound bites or even less now. But uh, 
So what do you think that, what do you think our government knows and why would they keep that from us? Oh, I think they, that some of the, uh, well, I think Trump knows. I think he got Tesla's time machine. He's been going back and forth and picking the timeline that he wants. Um, I've been studying the strange angel. Watch that. Uh, Ralph Parsons, uh, uh, the Babylon, uh, going back to the, you know, what's that interesting? We had a series called Babylon 5, right? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Roddenberry knew. I think, uh, you know, most of the presidents have known. They get briefed. I know that Reagan did. I had a whistleblower that was in the Reagan briefing. I've had whistleblowers that have been on the, the craft. So there's a faction that knows it all, and there's some of the presidents that know it all. But, there, you know, we have the, the Millionaires Club, and I don't know what the bottom number is that you get invited to the club. Maybe if you have $10 million or $50 million I'm not in. The, I'm not in the club. I'm not in the club, but they <laughs> know <laughs> – the top of that club, they, they're rich, and they don't get right. to be rich unless they're in the club. And they have to play the rules of the game to stay in the club. So all these people that are running for, politi- uh, for political office that are rich, they're already in the club. So they're already compromised. So I don't like this thing where they're saying, so-and-so is going to come in and be the hero. And so- no, 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 no. That's the donkey elephant game. <laughs> and you're really engaged in it. But that's not what's going to happen. It's a, it's a whole other level beyond that. Um, you would be far better off to go meditate on the mountaintop and ask for contact. And then you're going to get the real story. Because this is the matrix. Uh, Nero was right. You know, the matrix was right. We're in this artificial designed virtual reality. And, uh, you know, it's a game. So, if you break the game and enough of us break the game, then we might have a chance of having real disclosure. But when you're falling into the game, so, and I love all these people that do conferences, but I'm looking at who are the infiltrators and what is the narrative and what is the yarn they're uh, trying to spin, which keeps us in this game. And how do we get out of the game? I don't have the answer for everything. I wish I did. But like I said, I came in partially unconscious. Uh, to play the game, otherwise it wouldn't. It would be just boring to know the end of every book you're going to read, and you, you know, before you open the book, right? So, do you think there's there's money being made um, from keep? Well, is there money being made in disinformation, and is there money being made by withholding information? That's kind of what I'm wondering. Um. I guess it equates down the money, but I don't think anything is out there unless it serves somebody. So even us being allowed to say this is serving the powers that be. Now, like I said, there's several factions. So it could be uh, the good side of the force or the dark side of the force. But it's being permitted because if they didn't want us to broadcast the show, they would have stopped us recording it right now. I've had shows stopped dead on and you can't even get back on it's like they didn't want us to talk so just to keep that in mind you think you're the you're the white hat and you're the good person and it's it's serving somebody that's why it's out there so it's so complex i cameron it's so complex you know what's really weird the name of the babylon for a parson's name was cameron <laughs> <laughs> and i, I said I and i'm talking to peter moon I was talking to Peter and he's telling me how all that goes back to Aleister Crowley and it went into Werner von Braum and Robert Hein and Roddenberry and 
and uh, what's his name, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, blah, blah, blah. And I was blown away yesterday. And he goes, and look for the synchronicities. And I go, what's the name of my toes? My, oh, my God, your name is Cameron. That's you right. my show when I get it up, Cameron. So there's <laughs> this whole thing is being orchestrated, Cameron. And there's, your name is Cameron. There, there's, a there's a lot of coincidences out there, and I, I don't understand them. I probably will never understand them, but... You know, um, when I get to speak with people like you, things are a little clearer and things are a little um, more apparent than they were before. And you also throw things at me like synchronicities, and I, I recognize there's even more things that I don't know about. So it just makes it more confusing, don't you think? It's it's so confusing. I I get clarity. I wake up and it's like, aha, I know the answer. And then the more I learn, it's like, oh, so I go inward and process. And I'm so grateful every day I wake up and it's like, okay, I get to do, it's the most exciting game in the universe. And we are in it. And I think that might be the whole purpose of it. I mean, think of it. It's so exciting to help this game. People that know and don't know. And so what do you what do you have coming up this summer? Any any uh, are you going to be um, appearing anywhere? I know we get to listen to your radio show, but uh, speaking in front of people at all. I I took off 2019. Um, I came. I put on a conference the end of 2018, which really uh, wore me out. I mean, I was exhausted and I was sick. And then I started recovering on my birthday, and I got uh, February 6th, and I got sick even more. So then I just said, okay, I was supposed to stay home, so I canceled all. I normally go to contact in the desert. I said, well, I, you didn't invite me, but I can't come anyway because I'm too sick to travel. So now I'm feeling better, um, but I think it's too late. Unless somebody has a lot of money, I, I have to buy my tickets in advance to get a good deal, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm from you're you're, you're kind of off the, the travel grid. I am, but if anybody wants me, I always go with my husband, so we need two round trip tickets in the hotel and you know, we don't have a lot of income ourselves. We're both retired, which is why I get to do this. I don't have yeah. to go work a job. But uh, the downside is uh, if I'm traveling I, I most often somebody will uh, some people sponsor us. They cover things. Um, I, I don't buy into somebody else's agenda. You can't buy me. I'm not going to you know, go and say what you want me to say on the stage. But if you want me and my uh, total authentic self and my husband, <laughs> we'll come and, you know, hopefully I'll be entertaining enough that uh, you'll have us back. So we're planning on 2020. We've got one coming up in March of 2020, which will probably be in Houston. So I'll start putting out some feelers, but you know, I just contracted and did some self healing and, um, and I, I think it's good. There's some stuff happening on the mainland that I don't want to be a part of. I don't know what's going on. There's it, something going it's on. It's all good. Keep it, keep it in the good side yeah. because it's, um, it's good. You know, yeah, we it's we good. need, we need goodness in our lives and we need positive positive vibrations and and um i'm glad i met you because um i had a great time on your show and uh, i was really really we looking forward to getting together with you because it's just there you have such a huge 
you're so multifaceted, you're most multidisciplined. And, and, um, so I just want to thank you and, uh, for being my oh. guest. So please tell one more time, our listeners where they can find you on the internet. I will post that with the podcast notes, but, um, let them know and where they can find you. And, uh, because I'm sure uh, that I'm on aquarianradio.com. A Q U A R I A N. Aquarianradio.com. Did I spell that right? A Q U A R I A N. Aquarian. And I'm I'm working on JanetCareLesson.com. I lost it. I had a hacker. I've lost all my sites. Oh my god! I'm, you have a bunch of websites uh, on you on your on your Aquarian website at the bottom. And uh, at the bottom Not of your bio. Not all of them are working. So. Okay. Okay, that's yeah, But I, tr- I checked back because I got hacked, and I'm having to go in the Wayback Machine and restore it. There's a site called Wayback Machine, and you it has snapshots of your articles and stuff. Uh, I can't get everything, but that's okay. Um, every day I produce fresh things, and uh, like Cameron, I had his interview, your interview. So uh, the other main site is EnkiSpeaks.com, and my husband's the primary person uh, posting on that site. But that's our, we have a fifth Anunnaki book coming out in about a month to two months. I have to do all the formatting. That just takes a long time. Um, And so we're going to be talking about what are the perks, you know, there, there was a downside, but now what is the what are the perks of the Anunnaki? What are they giving to us now? How often and, How often do you do your show? Uh, right now I'm on Sundays on Revolution Radio called The Sacred Matrix right. from 8 to 10. Tuesdays, uh, Stargate to Cosmos from 8 to 10. And then Thursdays, um, I'm starting oh, Alien Contact Organization. I, I broadcast, I just call it Aquarian Radio, but I'm going to do some sub-shows. Uh, with different co-hosts because um, I like to train co-hosts. I've had I've had so many people go off and they do their own shows. You know, right. so they come on with they me. Get, they I get good at it, and then it. they then they then they think they can do that too. And, and a lot of them do. They do a great job. I I love get, sending the little uh, birdies off the, out of the nest. Go fly, fly, change the world. Upward mobility. And another one comes in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then I'm, I'm working on, uh, what are we calling it? UFO Secret Space. I love interviewing experiencers and the Secret Space program people. So anybody that wants to come on my show or come on Cameron's show, but my show, write to me at aquarianradio at gmail.com and say, I'd love to come on and, and uh, do an interview. We can do one hour. We can do a half hour if you're shy. I don't care. Uh, I'm just. One of the things I went to a group back in the 80s, uh, no, early 90s, and uh, it was a psychic group, and they said, what is your purpose? And they said, it was a table tipping thing, amazing thing, the table would tip and answer yes or no. And basically what came out is Janet is the historian. She's here to record these times for the future. So that's my job, and I'm, I'm documenting it, and all you people that are waking up, Come on board. Let's at least do one show. Document who you are, and even if you're afraid to use your real name, that's okay. You can call yourself, you know, whatever. Long tradition of scene, but <laughs> you call yourself a name, um, and we'll document this movement because this is it. People are going to look back in time and they go, "This is when it started with Cameron." 
and you and Janet. You you started it. You were you were there long before I was, and it's it's interesting to hear your perspective that that goes back so far. Janet Kira Lesson has been my guest, and uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and we need to speak thank again you. soon. Thank you very much. We shall. We Blessings shall. and aloha. Aloha. My Alien Life Podcast. You can find my website at www.myalienlifepodcast.com and all the downloads are at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at podbean.com and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. And please follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. My Alien Life is heard in 59 countries all over the world and all over the United States and Canada. Whenever you listen to the show, please subscribe and leave a comment. My Alien Life is written and produced for broadcast at Studio 254 in the Northern Rocky Mountains. The music you are hearing is produced and created by Elion. You can find Elion's work online at Heart Dance Records. Mm-hmm.